0: Wow I don't know I I got unplugged from TV a couple years ago all I have now is like a Roku box and an Apple TV box and and mainly if I had to say what I watch the most the kids watch Netflix and I watch YouTube and I try to uh, learn about things and use it to uh, gain knowledge and you can do anything on there I mean if you got to change something on a car just type it in and, and you got it but as I was studying this week, I saw that I, I know that a lot of folks that do watch TV like to watch those reality shows, and especially the ones like America's Got Talent. Well, I heard that there's a, on the Arctic Circle, that there's a program called North Poe Has Got Talent, and their finals was last week, and they voted the best singer. And lo and behold, it was Elphys. Who would have thunk that Elphys was was the number one singer up at the North Pole? I think he did Blue Christmas or something like that. But he was a big hit. But anyway, we're here this morning to talk about the Word of God. And as we begin, I want to talk about, first of all, Ron back there in the back. Thank you for being here. But not only that, he's a man. He shows up today in shorts. Now, that's a man right there for you. And it's great to have you out with us worshiping today. But I want to talk about God breaking his silence this morning. It's been a long time since he's spoke to his people. So if you brought your Bibles along with you today, turn to Luke chapter 1. I want to spend some time just in Luke 1 today as we talk about God breaking his silence. For 400 years, he's not spoke to his people. The last time that we have it recorded is in two of the prophets, Malachi and Nehemiah, and that was somewhere around 433 to 400 BC. So there's been a long quiet spell. There's been a drought of the word of God coming in except for what has been written. And you know, since an angel has appeared and since true miracles it's probably been a little over 500 years that would probably go back to the book of Daniel where Daniel did see uh, an angelic being that came to him and told him some things uh, we all know about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace and that miracle and also about the lion's den that he was put in I shouldn't do this because the lesson's long enough today but I'm going to tell you a little secret whenever I was first going to church uh, heard the story of shadrach meshach and abednego i thought the guy was saying shadrach meshach and a billy goat and for the longest time i kept trying to figure out where this billy goat came into to the picture at and then once i started actually reading and looking into the word it was revealed to me that it was a person named abednego so that shows you the value of not just listening to what people say but going in and researching it yourself and i I ask you to do that with me Uh, i want you all to be bereans for it says that they were more noble than those in thessalonica but they searched the scriptures daily to see that what paul was teaching them was true and i want you to do that with me as well because i will be teaching things that i have studied long and hard about But if you don't understand or if you see a different slant, please come and talk to me about that Uh, because we're all Bereans and I don't want you leaving thinking that there was a billy goat running around in the fire, okay? So anyway, it's been a long time since God has spoken to the people. It's been quite a while and he's getting ready to break his silence here in Luke chapter 1. And there's literally, at this point, where there's been nothing for all of these years, there's going to be an explosion of events. There's going to be angelic beings seen. There's going to be miracles taking place. And this little patch of ground called Israel is going to be filled for the next 33 years with all kinds of fabulous things as God breaks forth into human history again and starts revealing himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke today launches us into the Jesus story. He takes careful consideration to let us know that what he is teaching is from God. He starts out by saying that I have set all of these things in order so that in verse 4 that you might know with certainty that these things are the truth. So he's taking very careful consideration so that we know that what he is getting ready to tell us is the truth. He begins his gospel, and we're going to see the first recorded heavenly being in 400, 500 years coming down. And if you're with me in Luke 1, let's begin reading in verse 5, and I want to go through verse 17 here of Luke chapter 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and all the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he was executing the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn, to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and in power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people that's prepared for the Lord. God is a God of small beginnings. This thing's going to roll out into some great things, but he starts small. He starts with one angel to one man in the temple of god god breaks 400 plus years of silence with this event the angel gabriel silently appears in the temple to one man zacharias the priest and when an angel appears to you just think you're in there in that temple and then boo an angel and not just casper the friendly ghost i mean this is an angel It's an angel that just came from the presence of God. And he has some fear and trembling, and we'll get into that in a moment. The angel said unto him in verse 13, Fear not, I bring you word from God, the promise of a miracle. You're going to have a child. Hi, Susie, good to see you. He said, Fear not. You see, they're probably in their... 70s now maybe even the 80s because it says that they're well stricken in years they're far enough long that there's no chance that they should normally have a child at this time makes a point to say that that she is barren no children and Zacharias well he seems to be just a simple man a run-of-the-mill type I mean he's described here as a certain priest Now, if you wanted adjectives to describe you and your abilities at something, I don't think it would be a certain priest. You would think, like, magnificent, exceptional. But no, the word of God is low-key. Luke is low-key. He doesn't go into all kinds of extravagant things. He just says, a certain priest. Just another one of the guys who was of the lineage of Aaron that performs the works of the priest each day but while their spiritual life was impeccable because it says that they were blameless before god and that they kept his commandments their social life was not because you see at this time in israel if you were barren you didn't have a child their mindset was that if god wanted to punish you for some reason for unknown sin or things that you've done in your life that he would cause things like this to happen and we have seen it throughout all the scriptures to where they would even ask jesus why was this man born blind was did somebody sin because of that well one of the things that they thought that if you were under a curse from god would be that you had no child and so it was a stigma upon you and here they were their spiritual life is blameless. They shouldn't have any kind of a stigma attached. But in real life, the people thought there must be something. Just like Job when his friends came to him. said, there's something going on with why this is happening. And then it tells us in verse 8, we begin to get a little more detail in the narrative from Luke. And it says that it came about that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division because he was of the division of Abijah. Now, Abijah was one of the grandsons of Aaron. There were 24 courses of priests that David had assigned in First Chronicles. If you go back and study it, he assigned them into 24 divisions, and these were from the grandsons of Aaron. For Aaron had had four sons but these are from Ithmar and Eleazar because you'll remember that the other two sons Nadab and Abihu had offered strange fire before God and they immediately in kind of their first priestly duties God burned them with fire because they didn't listen to his word and abide in how he taught them to worship him. And so they were taken out of life and he had two sons left. And out of them came 24 courses of priests, each one for some of the grandsons of Aaron. And so there's 24 courses. And what they would do is they would serve for one week, course one a week, course two a week, and go through 24 courses a week at a time. The first half of the year, you did one week total service. You stayed there in that courtyard. And in the housing around there, usually, if you lived close, you could come back. But you had to be there each day before sunup and leave after sundown. So in the first half of the year, you served a week straight. And then you went back until the second half of the year. And when your course came again, you served another week. And that's how it went. And so this was the week that the course of Abijah was taking place. And then it tells us that he was doing his what was his priestly office now to be honest m- most of the priests would be basically a butcher because if you if you look up here at the uh, the temple itself you will see that starting on what is your right side the gate that's called beautiful that's mentioned in acts chapter 3 that that faces the east side and The temple itself, the temple proper, is all the way to the other side on the west side. And so in the first part was the courtyard of the women and then the gate of Nicantor, And then it goes into what's the priest courtyard. And then you will see as you go through there, this is where the sacrifices would be offered. There's tables there that shows where the slaughter would take place of these sacrifices that was brought in. And then just below that is the altar the brazen altar. So mainly the duty of the priest all day was as people would come in and bring their sacrifices for something, they would perform this ritual for them. And they were basically a butcher. But there is a couple of special things that priests do. Inside the temple, there is three articles of furniture. There is the lampstand where the light that's in there comes from christ is the light of the world there's the table of showbread that that's changed out once a week that's for christ the bread of life and then in the very far back corner next to what is the holy of holies is an altar of incense and it says that according to his priestly office in verse nine he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the lord and burn incense you cannot imagine what a thrill that was to zacharias because in his two weeks a year most of the time those days he spent sacrificing at this time out of those 24 courses there's tens of thousands of priests so when it says that he was chosen by lot that means all of the priests 20 years and older who are now old enough to serve the priestly duty from the lineage of Aaron would have their name put into the box for that course. And for that time, if your name is drawn, you don't have to do the regular priestly duties. You get to go inside the temple of God. You get to go into the temple and burn the incense that's representing the prayers of the people to God. This is an honor nobody outside of the lineage of aaron gets to go into the temple only the high priest one time a year gets to go into the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant is if you look it looks like a t upside down the long first part is called the holy place that's where they go with the bread and the light and the incense there is a curtain partition between it and that back part that goes straight off, which is the holy of holies. That's where, to them, the presence of God abides. And one day a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest is only is allowed to go behind that veil and go into the presence of God with an offering for the sins of the people only a couple of priests a day get to go into the holy place one for the offering of the incense morning and evening and the other one for the trimming of the lamp of the lights adding the oil and trimming of the wicks so only two people get to go in per day ever and you've got 25,000 priests many will never get to go into the temple the rest of israel never gets to go into the temple but this time zacharias's name was called and he gets to go in because this brings him close as any man will get to the presence of god in their mind and he gets to go in and offer these incense and this burnt offering he will get to go in to what is the closest place The Holy of Holies, because that incense is right there next to that curtain. I want to give you another little couple of tidbits of information just while we're here. We said that the gate, beautiful where you enter in, that's always facing east. The temple back is towards the west. Whenever you walk in through that east, carrying your burdens and your sacrifice, and you take it to the middle gate, Nicanor. And you take it in to the priest who offers that sacrifice for you. And then once a year, that sacrifice goes in to the Holy of Holies in the far back, representing the sins of the people being removed. This is a visual reminder of what's written in Psalm 103, verse 12, that says, as far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east end where you walked in is from the west end where the sacrifice for the sins is made. That's how far God has separated the sins from his people. Amen. I'll give you another little tidbit of information. God created the earth so he knew this from the beginning. We only found it out recently that the earth sits on its axis and spins and revolves If you get in a plane and you fly east around the world, you can circle it a hundred times and you're still going east. You don't go west until you turn around and go the opposite way. You can go east forever and west forever. And that's how far your sins are removed. But if you fly in a plane and you go over the Arctic Circle, you're going north. Once you cross that, you're going south. Once you hit the bottom, you're going north again. So north and south is close together. So when God knew what he was saying, he didn't use north and south. He said, as far as the east is from the west, I remove your sins from you. And that's a promise to my people. Yeah, that just thrills me. Now, what he would be doing, he would be the incense altar being that close to the veil sometimes it's recognized as being associated with the holy of holies in hebrews 9 it talks about uh the high priest on that day of atonement visiting the altar of incense and then the ark of the covenant because some of the incense was taken into the holy place the holy of holies as well so sometimes it's associated with it because it is that close when he goes in there once a year to offer that now Here's what Zacharias would have been doing on his day as it says that he was performing his priestly duties. It's what he would have done is he would have came as we studied that map a minute ago. He would take his golden bowl, the censer sometimes it's called, and here it's represented with the little chains down to the bowl. But he would take some tongs and he would take his golden bowl and he would go over to that altar of sacrifice the brazen altar and he would take the tongs and place those coals from that that offering center into this golden censer he would cover it and then he would walk into the holy place with that and he has incense in there with him and this would be the only time that he's done this so i'm sure they had a training station so that people who have done this hands it down to the other ones because you're entering a place unknown you're going into the holy place of god with this and so as he would enter in you can see at the very back part of the holy place was that altar of incense and he would go there and he would take those tongs and he would take the coals that he had brought in with him and put them on that altar of incense and then he would take Some incense in his hand and he would spread them across those coals and immediately the smoke would rise up the the sweet smelling savor of the prayers of the people would be rising up in a visual form to god at this time and that's the priestly duty that he was getting ready to do it's such an honor but it's a customary thing for the priest not to stay in there very long because it's kind of a scary place really because if you think about it what happened to nadab and abihu man god zapped him like that for offering up a strange fire so all of these tales run through the uh, family lineage of Aaron as they're being taught and told things and trained on what to do and how to step and how to go and what's the proper way to do it they're all afraid a little bit because i'm entering. The closest presence of God and I want to do the right thing when I'm in there worshiping him so it's kind of a little scary you've never done it before and so he gets back there and he offers this up and he's right there and all of a sudden man verse 11 says an angel of the Lord appeared unto him wow in my mind I just imagine this that He has done all of this, the smokes went up, he's offered his prayer, and he's thinking, man, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to walk out, and everything's okay. He turns around and bam, angel of the Lord. Can you imagine what was going through his mind at that time? The scripture says that fear gripped him, and he was troubled. I want to tell you what the original word says. Because I found this to be something else. The original word is Tarasso. And I'm going to read it to you from Strong's word, Concordance, because this tickled me when I read it. It means to set in motion what needs to remain still. <laughs> something inside of Zacharias started moving that wasn't supposed to. I don't know if it's his bones, I don't know if it's his stomach. I don't know what was happening to Zacharias, but something was set in motion that should have been staying still. He was scared out of his mind. He panicked. It goes on to say that he was very troubled and perplexed. That means his thought processes went blank. He, he was so scared and so perplexed that he was just stunned and in panic. And the only thing as I was meditating on this and trying to figure out what was going on, is if you've went to buy paint and you say I want that eggshell white there and they'll take it and they'll put it on this little machine have you guys seen that and that machine starts shaking that paint up and it goes for about four or five minutes And you're thinking man that's shaking the fire out of that thing that's the word that's used with Zacharias that's what was going on some things were moving that shouldn't have been and he's very scared and the angel says unto him fear not I've brought you some word from God. Don't be afraid. I think angels, as they go through college, and they take human interaction 101, that's the first thing they're taught is to say, don't be afraid. Because every one of them says that first thing, because that's the natural reaction of people when you really see an angel. People, you you can hear some of them talk today that, oh yeah, I saw this... If you saw this or that, some things were set in motion that shouldn't have been, okay? You will really know it if it actually was. But he tells him, don't be afraid. Why? Because this isn't a judgment visit. I'm not going to zap you. Relax a minute. I'm bringing you word from God. Your petition, he said, has been heard. And he's thinking, what petition? What petition is that? And he says, your wife is going to bear you a son. Can you imagine as i thought about this this week if he is well past childbearing years was he still giving that petition before god or had he stopped but god don't ever stop your prayers you never know when god wants to reward those because it's on his timeline but i was thinking maybe even zacharias wasn't even praying right now for a child because he thought there's no way i'm moving on to different things But he says your petitions have came forth before God and it has been heard and your wife is getting ready to bear you a son. It's been heard. So know that. And he says you're going to give him a name called John. John means Jehovah the gracious giver. He's going to graciously give him a son. It's going to be the forerunner to God's son. This is the one who's going to prepare the way for the son of god so not only is jehovah the gracious giver with john but him being the forerunner is spreading the message to the people that jehovah the gracious giver is getting ready to send you his child the son of god that's the lamb of god that's going to take away the sins of the world because he is a gracious giver And then in verse 14, it says a lot of people are going to rejoice at his birth. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And he tells about John and his life. And he's telling this, and I'm imagining it's because he's well stricken in years. I don't know, the Bible does not record how long Zacharias and Elizabeth remained alive after the birth of their son. I doubt if they got to see him reach true adulthood and see what he was to do. So the angel here is revealing to him, he's going to be great. He's going to do some things before the people, before God, and he's going to reveal the Messiah. And this is all going to happen, so he's revealing to him so that he will know that what's going to be happening with his son. And I like how he ends it when he says that he will be very great and Zechariah says how do i know all of this is true i'm well past my years and no one told me when i was chosen by lot to come in here that when you offer up incense and prayer that an angel appears to you how do i know all of this is true you know sometimes you should just go with the flow and listen to the conversation and not remark <laughs> because when he does that the angel gets ready to tell him something and I'm, I'm going to share another little tidbit of, of our history with you. 33 years ago, I was reading this passage of Scripture. What we're getting ready to see in verse 19. And it impressed me so much what Gabriel said that at that time my wife was pregnant. And I said, I want the uh, ultrasound came in and it was a, supposed to be a boy. And i said i want to call the little fella gabriel because of this verse and you can imagine whenever we're in the delivery room and and the doctor goes oh no my wife pops up i mean they're restraining her what what she thinks something's the matter and he just goes it's a girl (laughs) and my beautiful daughter nicolette was born I wanted to call her Gabriel, Gabriella, Gabriella. My mom said, no, people just call her Gabby and she'll be stuck with that. And you don't want her to be called Gabby Hayes all the rest of her life because she was an old cowboy and Indian uh, person. So we chose Nicolette. And, but it was because of verse 19. He stood there and he said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And because you didn't believe me, you're not going to talk again until all of it's fulfilled and it'll be in its season and you will be fulfilled. And I love that verse because he just stood there and he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And this is true. Don't deny what I'm telling you and you're going to see. And so he left out of there. But while he's doing all of that, you can imagine the people outside the priest is not supposed to stay this long inside there. They're, they get in and they get out and they move on so they're not zapped, okay? And he's in there and they're offering their prayers and they look and they offer their prayers again for the nation and for the people and for their family. He's still not out. People are starting to buzz. Man, we've prayed all our usual prayers. He's still not here. And so they're. When he finally comes out, you must have been able to see that he saw an angel because they perceived that he saw a vision inside of there, but he couldn't talk. And he left there with his dumbness. And in verse 57 now, if you travel down Luke chapter 1 down to verse 57, you will see that Elizabeth brought forth a son as the angel had said. And on the eighth day, they took him to be circumcised. And they said, what are we going to name him? Zacharias after his father? And Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. They couldn't believe all of that. But you see, that was the confession of faith from Elizabeth that she believed in what the angel had told them, that it was a word from God and his thumbprint was on this. And she said, his name is John. And they turned to the father because they couldn't believe that. That surely his only son in his late age would be named after him. And you can see in the picture that it says that he called for a tablet. And he wrote down and he said himself his name is John. And at that we're told in verse 64 that his tongue was loosed. And he began praising God for all that god had done for him in his life for nine months he and his wife had been telling people we we saw an angel we're going to have a baby he's going to be the forerunner to the messiah and here god breaks his silence to the people after 400 years with the forerunner of christ remember we said that malachi was probably about the last book that was given before the silence god made a promise malachi chapter 3 verse 1 that he says that i will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me that was the promise given and now that promise is fulfilled john the baptizer the forerunner that's going to prepare the way for the the god who becomes flesh jesus the christ which we will begin studying next week with his birth. And again, I urge you, please be here. I'm going to share some things that I don't know maybe you've not ever even been taught before. I hope, because I hope that I I can share some things that are marvelous, that'll make you on Christmas morning think, wow, God did that, and this is what really happened. I I hope you'll be here next week. But as as we get ready to close... I want to touch on something that was mentioned there in verse 59. It talks about they brought him on the eighth day to circumcise John. Circumcision was given back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. It was a sign, a token of God's covenant that he would be with them. Verse 11, God tells him that circumcision shall be the token of the covenant between me and you. You remember we studied last week with the Lamb of God that the blood on the doorposts was the token that you believed and that he would, God would pass over you that night. So the token we saw was a symbol, a sign. And so God says the sign of my covenant with you is that every male child on the eighth day is going to be circumcised. Now, verse 14 of chapter 17 says that if that male child is not done this way, then you have not believed my covenant with you, and he has now fallen out of a covenant relationship with me and has broken my covenant. That's kind of like leaven last week when it said that leaven, which represents sin, had to be removed from the house and removed from the bread and from the place, or else you had broken the covenant with God. And this is the same way. God takes this uh, circumcision bit serious because there's a very strange story in Exodus chapter 4 if you've ever studied that. In Exodus 4, God has told Moses, you're going back to Egypt into Pharaoh's court to let my people go. And as he was on his way, it says he took his wife, Zipporah, and took their two sons with him. And as they were journeying, And they stopped that night at an inn. God was about ready to do Moses in. Moses was so weak. And it says near death. That he asked for his wife. To circumcise those two sons. Evidently he had shirked his responsibility. As the father of making sure that happened. For what reason we're not sure of. But we know that the wife was not for it. She didn't want to do it but when she saw that her husband was near death she did it and she came back and threw it at his feet and said a bloody husband you are to me and Moses was released from that and he got up and he was able to travel on and again she repeats it again there in chapter four you were a bloody husband to me she takes the kids back to her father in his land and Aaron, it says, comes and meets Moses, and together Moses and Aaron goes to the court of Pharaoh. So that was pretty serious, wasn't it? And you say, okay, Darrell, how does all that apply to me today? Why, did, why are we visiting this? Well, as the band comes on up and we make way for landing this thing, I want to have you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles with you. Colossians chapter 3, real quick because I want to tie this all together. Starting in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 3, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Christ, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom ye are circumcised. What? Hold the phone a minute. Paul, did you just say that in him ye are circumcised? Yes, he did. In Christ you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ Jesus. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your transgressions and in your sins, has and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened or made alive together with him and has forgiven you of all of your transgressions got a question how much is all it's everyone isn't it all of them see that token that was given to abraham as a covenant relationship is given to you and i as well today and we talked last week how that the things in the Old Testament are a shadow of the reality of the real thing that will be revealed in the New Testament for us. And just as faith was credited to Abraham's account for righteousness, he also was given the token of that, the symbol of that, through circumcision to be in my covenant relationship. And so do we. By, faith, by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. But Paul goes on and says the shadow of that reality though. Of that covenant relationship is that in faith. You also take on Christ Jesus in baptism. Representing the operation of God. Of taking us from uncircumcised to circumcised. Made righteous. The the sins being cut away from you by the operation of God. God wow that's special that brings us into the covenant relationship with god and all of our transgressions are taken away let's pray father thank you so much for your word thank you for breaking your silence in luke chapter one and bringing your angel gabriel to stand there before zacharias and tell him that the forerunner is here next week we'll study the birth of the one that the forerunner came to present and father we're so grateful that you've revealed all of this to us and that you've also revealed that we have a way to be in a covenant relationship with you and we trust in your operation of grace father that through it that we will forever be in that relationship with you may we walk so worthy father and remember these things. May we be challenged by your word. And the things that we have learned this week. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.